Hello, white listeners. We want to just very quickly uh, thank you for listening, as always. Uh, but we also want to let you know that today's episode, we tried our best. We recorded it on a dark and stormy night. Mm-hmm. And the moon was in, Mercury was in retrograde. What was it for doing? Sure. There was yes. all sorts of things happening. Yes. Uh, but the content was so good. The conversation we had was so good. We wanted to still let everyone hear it. And we worked on it for a while and we reached a point where it was sort of that circle thing where you feel like you've gotten it so good. And then you come back around again and thinking, is this sound any better? Or am I making this worse? Yeah. But we wanted to share this with you because I think it very much is a great example of the, can I say ethos of the show? Yeah. Do we have an ethos? We do now because you just said we did. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, but the idea of of hearing everybody out and and listening to their beliefs and uh, lifestyles and finding out that perhaps uh, you might have more in common with someone from the Satanic Temple than you do not have in common with someone from the Satanic Temple. Absolutely. And I think we get into it, but you talk about the tenants, you talk about all of that, and there's a lot of stuff in there where you're like, okay, this is pretty groovy. Mm-hmm. So go and in with an open mind, which our which our listeners have. That's why they listen to the show. Right. So thank you for listening. Uh, mm-hmm. We think you'll really enjoy this one. Yes. Uh, I would say it's maybe one of our best. It is. If the if the dark and stormy night wasn't a problem. Right. It really because the conversation is definitely one of our best. So um, I should have begun by saying hail Heidi, but anyway, we'll do that next time. Yeah, yeah you can do that. You can that. Like. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so enjoy the show. We will leave you alone now um, until we start yapping again in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience? Well, my mother-in-law's got this thing for soup. Loves loves talking about soup. Loves it. It's really bizarre, and she knows that I think it's hysterical. But yes. she has literally sat there and done like the the thing from Forrest Gump and just been like Italian wedding soup, French onion soup, <laughs> tomato soup, like has literally done this in front of me. Um, and we're at the restaurant. We're up in like a back dining room where that's only us. And the server comes in and it's like our, you know, we our soup today is a crab bisque. And she's like, perfect. I'll have that. Five minutes later, he comes back and says, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. We, we don't have crab bisque. We, we have a, a minestrone. Uh, and she's like, okay, I'll take that. And just turns to me with no expression on her face and just goes, soup. <laughs> this is why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. This is the same person who, whose review of Inglorious Bastards to me was, I'm not fond of Nazis, but I don't like to see people getting scalped. All right, that's a that's fair. And it's like, you're not fond of them. No, well. <laughs> Some of my best friends are Nazis. It's weird. Right. Like, that's a weird. But you know what's funny? There's something about the phrase, I'm not fond of them, that even though fond is not as extreme as hatred, it feels mm. just as... It's like when someone signs a letter fondly. Mm. It's not, it doesn't mean what you what it should mean. Like it doesn't give the. I think it shows that you put in those few extra minutes or seconds to like think of something other than like best 
or cool or love. Like you spent some time to come up with fond or fondly. I don't know, because I feel like people, when they say fondly, they actually don't give a crap, but they're like, right. Well, but, I, do this. but I think because it takes that extra second to think of the word, to use the word, it's not a common word. I think it then becomes, there's something wonderfully passive aggressive about it. Yes, that's fair. It's like, if you go back the dawn of time, the worst reputation management job ever done in PR ever, right? <laughs> so how do you overcome that? And how I feel like there are probably a lot of people who are drawn because I, what I, I'm like, yep, I'm in for all of this. This is amazing. But I bet a lot of people are like, oh, but I don't know. Like, that's a bad, oh, that someone may come and like get me or do something terrible to me because it's Satan. You know, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Two things I always like to look at, and, and one, first of all, is the movie, you know, Hail Satan, Hail Satan, with a question mark at the end, right? Yeah. That's done an immense amount of help to get people on the same page. About For sure. We are. You know, it's just been tremendous, and it's it turned out to be a lot more funny than I thought it was going to be, so it's just a great film to watch in itself. But also, um, you do have a large portion of the world out there who looks at something like the uh, creation story of Adam and Eve, and they see this, and instead of seeing this thing where they do nothing but praise this God all day and, and worship, and that's all they do. They're not allowed to gain knowledge. Um, some people see that as wonderful. Other people see, see that as servitude, slavery. So it's, it's important to note, note that there's a large group of people in the world out there who aren't Christian, and Satanism isn't just against Christianity. It's not against Christianity. It's not mm-hmm. against Judaism. You know, Satan sort of appears in, in some form or another among most religions. But the thing is, is that like in Judaism, Satan is the person who puts things in your way so you can appreciate the good things. So it's not always a bad story. Uh, just mm-hmm. Christians sort of own the really, really bad Satan story. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, met, you mentioned a PR job earlier, and that's actually a perfect word for it because one of the reasons that the word Satan evokes what it evokes today is because it was weaponized, right? Um, if you look at even the, how Satan was portrayed from extremely early Christianity to around the 15th century, it was it was looked at very differently, uh, more as an adversary versus you know this embodiment of pure evil and gore and, and whatever it, whatever it is. Um, and it's been the irony is that it was weaponized in a way to subjugate and control people. And we gain so much strength and so much autonomy from the same. And Kim, thing. you mentioned that the the film Hail Satan did it has done a great job of spreading your word, spreading your beliefs, and and you even said like, oh, it seemed it was funnier than because again, people think for some reason people think Satanism and and the Dark Lord comes to mind, and that doesn't really <laughs> sound to most folks like a great time. <laughs> True, true. And, you know, Satan's always sort of a prankster and a lot of the literature and things. And, you know, we definitely have a sense of humor. Actually, we've been accused of having too much of a sense of humor. That sounds like a great time. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's That's totally right. my guy. <laughs> we have fun. We definitely have fun. We have it a very serious, very serious thing that we do. And our, our beliefs are incredibly serious. But, you know, why can't you have fun? We're supposed to be the ones that get to have fun, right? We don't have to feel all that. You know, it's like, <laughs> we're not burdened with that. You know, we do the right thing and we have fun. Yeah. So why not? And so it, one of the things in the film is the 
<clears throat> desire to put to basically kind of uh, fight the installation of the Ten Commandments on the, I believe, the Arkansas uh, Statehouse grounds, mm -hmm. and you were trying to put a statue of, is it Satan? Beth, yeah, is, is he considered... Baphomet. Baphomet. Or Jesus? Again, a terrible thing to make a correlation between two faiths, I realize. <laughs> Just so, just a, a really brief because there's Please. it's quite a deep mythology, quite a, but just a brief history lesson. Uh, Baphomet uh, is a representation, a symbol, uh, and for us, it's the the reconciliation of opposites. If you look at the Baphomet statue, uh, he it's half goat, half half animal, half human, half male, half female, half demon, half angel. It's it's really sort of almost to to really simplify it, it's our yin and yang in in in, in just in a different system of beliefs. So. What what was um, the final outcome of yeah. that? Is that a still a fight that's going on there? Have has any side sort of taken reprieve for the moment? It's still ongoing, and it's an interesting topic to get into because whenever you actually look at what we're doing, we are pushing back on something. And again, we're not against Christianity. The problem is is the the religious right in America wants to call itself a minority when they're far from that, and they have all the political power. There's a, there's a well-funded group of state senators who, get, who have gotten together and formed the uh, Christian Prayer Caucus. They have a, uh, they have a, uh, a non-profit. Try to help you with the editing, right? <laughs> <laughs> they have a non-profit that also funds this effort that they're doing incredibly well. They've written boilerplate legislation. That's uh, sort of symbolic, you know, in God we trust on police cars and in schools and things like that. Money. That's literally a playbook, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a whole different story. That, that's yeah, been on their 50s. Okay. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's definitely not our founding, you know, phrase or our motto in the U.S. That was yeah. added in the 50s. And if you watch the movie, you'll find out why and your just mind will be blown about that. Yeah. So, so I definitely see that. But there is this crazy conservative effort to force Christian theocracy into our legal system. There's literally a playbook. You can Google Project Blitz and find this. And it's it's step by step by step. And like I said, it starts off as symbolic and it goes to the anti-abortion bills. There's a reason we saw nine different states putting those out at the same time in right. 2019. So, I mean, that's, that's an incredibly dangerous thing. They are literally trying to nullify the separation of church and state, but only for their religion. So... We are, we're pushing back against that. We're one of the few, few groups that are doing that. We have a similar situation in Canada where there is a very active group of um, very conservative Christians who have basically implanted themselves on board of director teams, on all sorts of sort of adjacent organizations. And together they have this huge conference once a year. And they literally discuss how can we bring religion back into legislation? How can we break that, in our case, uh, you know, uh, parliament uh, religious uh, separation and, um, and, and make it seem like we are indeed a Christian nation. Uh, and there is no nation that is a Christian nation. Not, not really, regardless of what the government says. Uh, it's just not that supremacy is slipping. So how do you, how do you counteract that? Yes, it's slipping, but how do you truly have the impact to stop a force like that, or at least slow it down further. When they want to put a, a big Ten Commandments monument up, we say, well, if you were allowed to do that, we should be able to put our Baphomet monument right next to it. 
and that's how we get mm-hmm. into those battles. Uh, Oklahoma, it was, I think, about three days after we unveiled Baphomet, and that was Baphomet was created because of this happening in Oklahoma. And about three days after Baphomet was unveiled, it did, now it had nothing to do with us, they said, but about three days after Baphomet was unveiled, they decided that, no, we would not have the Ten Commandments on the courthouse. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> nothing really? to do with us, though. Nothing to do with us. So, no, that's a big symbol, and, it, and you know, it's, it's something that it stands for plurality. If, if there's not a Ten Commandments there, we do not want the Baphomet. You know, we want representation for everybody or not. What's the best way for? Because I feel like again, that's something that it'd be hard to find somebody who would disagree with that. As far as like, no, everyone's equal. Ergo, all faiths should be represented, or or none at all. How do you, I don't know, apart from how do you rewrite the playbook? How do you come up with your own playbook? Is it getting a, you know, a satanic senator elected and sort of having somebody working on the inside to sort of, and inside sounds nefarious, but just sort of be like, well, let's, let's all just be nice to each other. Can we do that? I think the most important thing that we do and continue to do is we exist. By simply existing as a legitimate satanic religion, we uh, that alternate point of view is there. And that's all we've ever asked for, is to have multiple points of view, to, to, to avoid the presumption of one dominant point of view. So if we can continue to be and exist and um, basically do our thing as we want to do it, um, that is a lot in and of itself because it means that no one can claim that supremacy in a way that they used to. And then when you have an issue also, whenever you have these groups and they want to enforce things so hard on others, they don't realize they're actually painting themselves into a corner and everything goes on a digital back and forth, right? They'll get a lot of support now. But, you know, whenever you push laws like there's a law in Georgia that they can teach the Bible in, in school, but only the New Testament. Right, <laughs> of course. It's a historical document. I mean, you know, it's... And only the New Testament, can you teach any other religious text as a sort of document? The absurdity of that becomes so apparent, and it is apparent to most people, but whenever, whenever you have something like Satanic Temple telling people and reminding them that they have individual rights and these things that these other people are doing are ridiculous, there comes a critical mass point where these people pushing so far that they're going to get a backlash. And it's not going to be perfect for them. So instead of trying to play well with others, and say, hey, I have my beliefs, I have your beliefs. This is forcing them to release on others. It's actually a very dangerous thing for them to be doing. And not to get into statistics and such, but how are your numbers looking? I would imagine they're growing as people push back against this sort of forced set of beliefs. And so used to having everything in front of them right away, that we forget that innovation just takes time. I, I myself, I get frustrated too. Why? And you know, this is being one of my best friends is, Hey, I talk to you all the time. Hey man, I'm frustrated in the fact that I can't seem to just get there in mm-hmm. the next day, but that's just not how these things work, right? Innovation needs to be planned out. It needs to be very methodical. And then when it finally hits, that's when it seems like to everyone else that it, it sort of just came out of nowhere. But to you, you know, the amount of dedication that it took over that time. Uh, we have um, chapters in uh, in almost uh, in every state in the 
United States, in almost every province in Canada, and spreading uh, quickly throughout other parts of the world. So I think that mm-hmm. that's a good sign. And we're definitely growing. I mean, especially the movie again. The movie, the movie helped greatly. There was a huge influx of followers on Facebook. We're up to I think uh, 102,000 now, somewhere around there. And uh, it's, it's really great to see all people coming together. Most people realize what we're doing, and they realize that there is that common ground among us all that we all have our individual rights, and you can stand up for the rights of others too, without you know being so insecure that you might lose yours. You know, it's, it's a great thing. People, people resonate. That resonates people. <laughs> well, yeah. And the more you empower people the harder it is to control them, right? And, and that's always been the big fear of, of, of all the big, you know, organizations that try and control us is that you got you to gotta keep them scared and you got to keep them a little bit out of the knowledge circle. And Satanism is the complete total opposite of that. It empowers people, makes them harder to control and harder to feel. One of the yeah. uh, rituals, like we talked about earlier, is the Black Mass. Can you discuss a little bit what that entails? So traditionally, a black mass is, a, is an inversion of the Catholic rite of mass. Um, its origins are pretty nefarious in that no one really knows exactly where the first ones were. Uh, but there's historical precedent for black masses all the way up into uh, early France. Uh, there's, there's quite a movement there. Um, it came back around the Enlightenment period. It came back around the Romantic period. You know, you look at Byron and Shelley and, and those sorts of authors. They were you were really interested in that sort of that sort of concept, but to answer the question simply, it's it's it's, it's a ritual um, that inverts the symbolism used by Catholics in their in their traditional Catholic mass. Um, as far as as the fear, the, the big fear of the Black Mass is that consecrated hosts are used, and that is not always the case because our Black Masses again are not about offending. Um, we're using a blas- uh, we're using blasphemy as a sort of an empowerment. Uh, tool, but we're not using it to offend others. We could care less who, who even knows about our Black Mass. The people who need to know about it, the people for whom it, it is, are the people there. Um, and they're practicing blasphemy as a way to, again, to empower themselves and take power back that was taken away from them. How often does one go to the Black Mass? It's actually too nice to answer that question. The Black Mass is something that uh, chapters and, and people in the US can do as part of a ritual or as a celebration or something. But as far as some of the blasphemy goes, you know, I think people would assume you're putting babies on spikes and. Right. <laughs> that's not blasphemy, though. That's murder. The, we don't do right. that. <laughs> but again, bad yeah. PR. <laughs> Everybody always goes with a well. We don't put babies on spikes, and we don't eat babies. That you know, what, the misconceptions about Satanism. That's that's one of the first things that people always. No, and I think, and we don't. I think underlining that's probably a good thing to do. Um, yeah. But you're saying Nick, a lot of almost all the the, the stuff that we hear about this, like the, the rituals and the baby eating and the the, the the animal killing, comes from the Satanic Panic of the '80s, uh, which is super important to TST and to Satanists everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a coffee hour after the Black Mass? <laughs> yeah, I think we should tea, so. Yep. <laughs> tea is good. I'm in a tea mood. The services are often, um, 
often include a lot of sort of educational pieces and conversation and, and things of that nature as well. So when you guys came to Detroit a few years ago and um, it was just like the news around here and pe- the uproar and people were, which I'm sure happens from place <laughs> to place. <laughs> Has there ever been just smooth sailing coming into town? Salem. Or what's the, ah, uh, Salem would be perfect. <laughs> of course, of Welcome course. <laughs> If I, I would be devastated if Salem was like throwing a hissy fit. Yeah. Like everything I, right, that'd be terrible. So, but that's part of the fun of it. And that's right. the, uh, the message too, you know, it helps us get our, get our message out to a lot of people. And it's nice to sit down with somebody who's protesting against us, you know, and have an actual conversation and realize that there is that commonality there and that we're not the bad guys that they think and all those misconceptions like putting babies on spikes and, you know, right. actually worshiping a, a deity called Satan. You know, when those things go away and then people start finding out, if they're open-minded enough, yeah, they you have to make sure they're, they're open-minded and have that conversation with them. Usually, right. you friends, that's a pretty cool thing. Yep. That is cool. Where do you guys stand on hiding messages in songs backwards directed to your <laughs> benevolent leader? A pro or a con? Seeing as how Nick and I are both musicians, I think we're both really, really okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> if you can figure out the technology, I'll, I'll get on the <laughs> Yeah, there's a plug in for that, right? <laughs> if you that, I think you can easily do that. <laughs> I ruined a lot of good vinyl, a lot of good Iron Maiden vinyl when I was a teenager uh, trying to figure out what they were really telling me. Yeah. I got some bad news. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, if only all that stuff were true and fun and you could have fun with it. But yeah. it's not, nope. <laughs> well, but now it's going to be because now for a new generation, it's going to be yeah. real going forward. <laughs> Vinyl's bad. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. What's it like when you just out of context, walk into a bar and meet someone and tell them about the temple or just that you are. Well, never mind a bar. What about when you walk involved? into a bank? Uh, you know, <laughs> when you get any of these sort of like. I don't get that. Doesn't come I don't get up that chatting with a bank. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. The, I don't tell the bank <laughs> okay. anything, but. Give me my All money, right, please. Okay, <laughs> back to the bar analogy. Go. Just take the bar. I, I had my pitchfork. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> like, no, it's great because you, you can be at a bar and I've never had a, a negative reaction. It's it's I maybe I'm, I'm one of the few. I've literally never had anyone have a negative reaction. The closest I've ever came to this, which is great, was my neighbor. And uh, the people bought the place next door to me, and then I'm talking with them, and I, I'm standing in their place, and it's just me and the lady that lives there. Her husband was gone, and uh, and I was I was telling her, oh yeah, by the way, you know, have you seen this movie? And she's like, what? And every, and I start telling her about it, and I can see her sort of like looking sort of slanting, <laughs> and or sideways at me a little bit, and leaning physically. I don't think she realized that she was physically starting to lean back away from me. And the more I described it and everything, the more she seemed to relax. And then, you know, we smiled and in the conversation. And then I saw her in the hallway at about a week later. And she was like, oh, you know what? I told my kids about what you're doing. I mean, they saw them. They think you're great. Are you famous? <laughs> 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 so it was actually really, really hilarious to see that turn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my God. The brain evolution. Like, I would love to have been in her brain going from, oh, my God, we have to move. We just bought this place. What do you mean I'm living next to a state? This what? And then it slowly is like, oh, this guy's awesome. Let me tell the kids. (laughs) 
which also would be a great conversation too. Like, honey, you've got to learn about these things. Did you learn about this yet? <laughs> which yeah. is great. I mean, it's, but that's the thing. Ultimately, it is. It's wonderful. But again, there's just centuries of like, what? So, but yeah, that education and evolution has to be amazing. It is. And the cool thing is that there's centuries of, of, of there's also centuries of Satanism, which is a lot of people don't sort of know. Uh, you know, you can hearken back to some very early literature, Anatole France, John Milton, but even lesser known figures like Victor Hugo, for instance, who is famous for Les Miserables, mm -hmm. uh, dabbled in sort of Luciferian ideas uh, wrote a lot of poetry. Baudelaire, of course, wrote Les Flots Mal. So there's a, a rich, rich history. And one of the ways I like to normalize Satanism is by sort of reminding people, like, you know, characters like Darth Vader or whatever, like characters that have certain aspects of their story, which is very Luciferian. They're, you know, they're, they rebel against the tyrannical father um, and, and they're misunderstood. Uh, you know, even pro look at legends like Prometheus, sort of innocuous Greek legend, but has super heavy satanic implications as well. Hmm. And one That's a great point. Also, yeah. I don't know if I lives near Montreal and can say <laughs> however you said I know, it, I thought I right? had a good accent. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I can really say well, and I'll say it once and, and only once, is Céline Dion. Because oh. I know y'all Americans don't say it properly, no. and that's how you say it. Céline Dion. <laughs> Speaking of Satan. All yeah. right. <laughs> so when we first started emailing <laughs> When we first started emailing Kim, you you uh sent a link for me to the, the FAQ and the sort of this very easy to read flow chart showing the difference between the satanic temple and the church of Satan. And I think you know, I, I reached out to you guys having seen the film and thought like this is really interesting. I bet people don't think of Satan like this, but clearly some people mix you up. What are the differences to the two beliefs? Um, and let's start with that. Just what are the sort of main differences? Because people think these are interchangeable uh, religions. Well, we, have, we do have a lot of the same beliefs that like be from the individual and, uh, you know, not worshiping an actual deity. Uh, what LeVay, Anton LeVay did is set up this, this modern version of Satanism and all respect and respects due for that and everything. But it was highly, highly based on the individual to the point where they, they've, not, they've not really organized. And, and they shouldn't because that's not what they're about. You know, the, we came along and, and sort of did this weird thing where we started organizing Satanists, which is just a strange thought and but you can't actually move things forward you can't actually make change unless you have some form of organization we're still very very much against any type of arbitrary rules and authority and things like that and, and every decision we make is based on you know avoiding that and ensuring that everything we have as far as a guideline rule structure is necessary to achieve our initiatives and our goals and, and protect ourselves and stand up for our own rights as a religion in our, our religious freedom. Uh, and to do that, you have to have organization. So I'm not saying that Church of Satan isn't organized, but they have never had that push to organize a bunch of their members and things like that. And they shouldn't be faulted for that. That's what mm -hmm. they are. You know, we, we are a different entity. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we work on things and we, and we push things forward, it's just a positive for all of us. Do you guys get, like, each other's mail a lot? <laughs> um... <laughs> 
We get a lot of mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Oh, we get a lot yeah, of email asking to join the Illuminati. Another major difference, uh, I think, I always look at it as there's been two, two sort of big differences. Um, the Church of Satan's uh, sort of policy on supernaturalism is purposely vague. Always has been. Uh, and, and you really don't know after you've read these books where he really stood on these things. One thing that's incredibly important to the Satanic Temple, and we consider it such an essential part of our, our lifestyle, is we, we uh, use evidence in scientific, the latest scientific evidence, the best currently available scientific evidence uh, to base upon, to, upon which to base our beliefs, beliefs. And we are very adamant and firm that we do not believe in the supernatural. That's very important to us. And I think that's where one of the big misconceptions comes into it. And that definitely, um, you can attribute a little bit of that to the Church of Satan and their sort of vagaries regarding that. And someone like Aleister Crowley, was he Church of Satan, I believe? Or where did he fall? He was neither. He was actually um, an independent individual until he, he's very ambitious, and he uh, ended up... Nice word um, for it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> he ended up forming his own religion, which is called Philema. Uh, which is really uh, sort of a repackaging of traditional Western ceremonial magic. Have you ever heard of um, uh, the esoteric order of the Golden Dawn? Uh, it was really popular. It was, it was based in England, a lot of sort of famous writers and philosophers and so on. They were just really interested in, in seeing where these ancient texts, they, the world has really just discovered Eastern Eastern ideas and, and enlightenment had really influenced the cult ideas um and so he was a bit of a mishmash of all that and he came up with dilemma um the reason that a lot of people conflate satanism with aleister crowley's one he was known as the wickedest man right. uh, he was known as the beast his mother it was actually his mother's nickname for him was the beast um <laughs> yeah and at the yeah. time <laughs> at the time there was no modern satanism so what else would you call someone who went against every principle known to man and aggressively so so that's that's how that happened but he has nothing to do actually with satanism in that sense in the code of library and that brings up an interesting question we get a lot is that if you do not base things as superstition if you are about scientific if you are about scientific belief how do you do rituals what does ritual fit in all this and the thing is is rituals don't have to be supernatural they can be highly symbolic one of my favorites is the destruction ritual. You write something down that you want to let go of onto a piece of paper, and you throw that piece of paper into a fire, and it goes away. And that's a that's a symbolic thing. That's a psychological tool to help you move forward. So, ritual and supernatural are not joined. You know, it's more about symbolism. Hmm. So okay, so what's the what's the craziest email you guys have gotten? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kim, uh, I'll let regular, you go on that. On a regular, we, we get on a regular basis. I want to sell my soul. I want to, um, I want money. I want to join the Illuminati. I want to be part of your, they call it a million different things. You know, people uh, that write us and things. It's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, if we were doing all this stuff, just let you in from an email anyway. I mean, but you know, you got right. you know, you got to appreciate their, their, <laughs> to, 
try to move forward and things in their in their manner that they want to. But yeah, um, we get a lot. And matter of fact, we we a lot of those are we now. You know, like on our Facebook page, if you you know, I'm gonna say this and hopefully people won't test it because hopefully it's still working. If you type in the word Illuminati in a comment, it does not post. Hmm. It's, it's filtered yeah. out because we're constantly having to go and filter out people. Hey, join the Illuminati. Call in this or join. Go to my Facebook right. page. You know, all this right. stuff. It was weird and crazy and stuff. So it, it's uh, you have a lot of people trying to do things like that. So it, and I would imagine you. Oh, go. Sorry. Go ahead. The amount of emails that we do get from from individuals who. Um, are really desperate. They're just desperate for something to fix their lives. And their first thought, and this is sort of important, their first thought is, there's got to be a supernatural entity out there that can save me because I've been told that my entire life. So, you know, pay up. And I think it really speaks to the danger and the power of weaponizing uh, beliefs against people. Because, I mean, they would literally give us a... I've had emails saying, I'll give you $666 if you take my soul. Um, and that's that's tragic. No one should be comfortable doing that. Uh, but all right, powerful ideas. On the flip side, I would imagine you also have received a lot of communications from people saying you've opened my eyes to, I can now live a fuller life. Like I'm sure you get a lot of that as well. I would imagine. That's true, and it is it is really really rewarding to work as much as we do to literally try to make the world a better place and get feedback. You know, it's, it's one thing to get one-on-one. It's another thing to get an email from an entire stranger, a stranger you've never spoken to, had never had any connection with, and you get an email or a message on in a social media or something, and they say, hey, you know, you, you really have helped, and I really appreciate this. I appreciate what you guys are doing and standing up for us, and things like that. It's, um, you know, it's a it's a mostly thankless job <laughs> being on the international council. You know, yeah. the, uh, it's all volunteer, you know, all that stuff. We don't get paid for it, and we spend the massive amount of time doing it um, because it's something we believe in we believe in wholeheartedly for more information on the satanic temple to read their seven fundamental tenets and to find a chapter near you check out their website thesatanictemple.com you can follow us on all the various socials our website is whythepodcast.com and has all sorts of additional stories and videos it's also where you can sign up for our newsletter. We're also on YouTube if you're into that kind of thing. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Because if you don't, we'll call your mother and tell her that she's completely right. You would look so much prettier if you smiled more. Why the Podcast is part of Mudhouse Media. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our willing executive producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Chinette. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynth O Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here? Nigel.